The rest of you can turn your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. We're looking at finding peace this morning. Finding peace. It's a... We'd, we've been thinking about this morning how uh, there are wars, and there are rumors of wars, there are so many things that are wrong in this world that don't pr- provide peace, and how do we find peace, right? Um, there, there, there's, there's so many challenges to peace, and Isaiah 59 talks about this a little bit. It's talking about Israel primarily, God's people, and yet he says the way of peace, in Isaiah 59 verse 8, he says the way of peace they do not know. There is no justice in their paths. They have made their roads crooked. No one who treads on them knows peace. He's saying Israel doesn't know peace, but we can apply that or think about that in reference to the entire world in a sense, that that. The way of peace no one knows, right? Like, how, how, how do we get peace, real peace? Because uh, the Bible describes peace not as just the absence of something, like the absence of conflict or the absence of war, but also as the positive presence of things that are together, that fit, that are a part of uh, working together in, in ways that are, are unifying and glorifying and helpful, and so when we talk about peace, well, it's not just a matter of, well, I can get rid of conflict in my life. I'll just avoid everyone who provides conflict. But do you then get along with people? Right? If you kick everyone else out of your life, who are you getting along with? Uh, and in, in Isaiah 59, he goes and talks about this in, in, a, in metaphorical language here. He says, verse 10, We hope for light and behold darkness, and for darkness, but we walk in gloom. We grope for the wall like the blind. We grope like those who have no eyes. We stumble at noon as in the twilight. Among those in full vigor, we are like dead men. We all growl like bears. We moan and moan like doves. We hope for justice, but there is none. For salvation, but it is far from us. He's saying... (laughs) You can kind of get that picture, right? Like, we, we growl like bears. Like, some of us, when, when uh, we want peace, we growl at everyone around us, <laughs> trying to force everyone else to make peace with us, right? Uh, and sometimes we, in other ways, we moan and moan like doves, right? The, yeah, ever, ever heard a dove's call, right? It's like this, it's kind of a moaning sound. And, and, and the, the picture here is of this, just this kind of, oh man, just kind of complaining. We're not angry, but it's more just complaining, right? Like, why does the world have to be this way? Why does it not have to, why does it not work for me? And that's how he ends this, right? We hope for justice, but there is none. And that, because he's saying peace is not just the absence of conflict. Peace is the presence of justice. It's the presence where things are working well together. And in a sense, of, to use a different metaphor, it's kind of like uh, uh, putting uh, puzzles together. There we go. Uh, you guys do this over holidays at all, like families put together uh, puzzles. And it's kind of a fun thing to do, right? You, you, everybody has maybe a different strategy for doing it, but overall you, you kind of have to start and create the boundaries for the puzzle, right? You have to get the corners, the sides, because you got to know where, where you're going with this puzzle. And then and then you work at it, and, 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 you, and you find stuff. But of course, there's always puzzles that are puzzle pieces that don't fit. You know, there, there are puzzle pieces that don't fit. You're just like, okay, I've tried this piece so many different places that I think it should go, and it doesn't fit. 
And the lack of peace is kind of like that for us, I think, overall. There's this, this metaphor, the sense where it's, it's not just that we lack the emotion of peace, but we feel in some ways ourselves that we don't fit, that, that we don't have a world that fits for us and we don't fit within it. And it becomes harder and harder. To, the more you're trying to strive for peace and seek to find peace, the more you feel like, well, it's just me. I'm the problem. <laughs> If I, could, if I could solve this problem of me, then maybe the world would be a better place or maybe the world would fit and I would be at peace. And sometimes, obviously, we think the world's the problem. Like, I, I know who I am. I can, I'm peaceful, but everyone around me is not peaceful. Can't make it work. Uh, it's kind of like this cartoon, right? You go around and we're like people just putting up, I know we're missing one piece in our puzzle. We just can't figure it out. And, uh, and we go through life kind of that way. Like, what am I missing? Why are things not fitting together? Why can't I just have everything work together in a way that, that allows me to have peace? We've all felt this way at one point or another. And in Colossians chapter 1, Paul is talking about Jesus Christ as the one who makes peace, not just for himself, but for all of us. So follow along as I read Colossians chapter 1, verse 5, verses 15 through 23, and we'll see from this passage how Christ has made peace and how we can find peace. Colossians chapter 1 Verse 15 says, He that is Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness was pleased, of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reckon to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who once were alienated, and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister." So as we think about peace and finding peace, what I want you to notice, first of all, is that we find peace, we fit in a sense, because everything was made by and for Christ. It's like a puzzle where it's not about finding the edges, it's about finding the center. It's about finding that center piece that, that everything else fits from. And that's what he says here about who Jesus Christ is. In verse 15, he says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. So it's, it's just saying, not, not that he's created by God, but that he is the heir. That's the, uh, the, the, the idea of firstborn here is the idea of heir. That is, all creation is about him. 
For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, and he wants to be clear, visible and invisible. So the things we can see and taste and handle, and the things that we can't see and taste and handle, but we know are there, like, like whose, whose country do we live in and who's in charge around here? And, and all of those kinds of things, too, are controlled and created by him. All things were created, it says here, through him, and here's the key, for him. It's an interesting point. You could say that we fit because we are made by and for Christ. My, my wife likes to crochet uh, baby sweaters for uh, moms with new babies. And she, some of you have received her gifts, uh, she makes them about the size of a new baby when they're about three or four months old. And uh, so it's not very big. And yet, so it's a sweater that you can, in a sense, tuck around. So for babies especially, you don't put the, 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 the sleeve here. You put it in back, right? So you stick their hands through and then they're warm and they can't pull it off or anything like that. She makes those. And I'm always amazed at them in the sense that you can make the size and you can, you can crochet it out and you make the arms, etc. And it fits. And for babies, it, it fits anywhere for, for a month to maybe six months. And then it no longer fits, right? Because babies, if they're healthy anyway, uh, they're 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 growing right they don't they, it doesn't it doesn't stay they don't stay the same size and 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 yet that sweater was made in a sense by my wife for someone else but she's got that specific idea in mind something that fits them that's for them and here's one aspect of who we are in creation we're not here by chance we're not here because Somewhere along the line, someone, you know, some molecules came together and life was sparked and all of a sudden it just started to get more and more complex and, and more and more things happened. And eventually, over millions, maybe billions of years, we finally arrive at today, okay? We exist because Christ created us. He had a purpose in mind. He knew what he was doing. Just like my wife knew, okay, I, I know the size of a baby, and I know the, the length of a baby, and I know how to make the baby's arms, and I know what I'm doing here so that it fits the baby. So we, too, were made to fit into this world. It's, it's not like we just arrived on the scene and we're like, well, maybe we can try to figure out how to fit the human race into this planet we live on. We fit because we were created to be here. And not only that, but we were, it says here that all things were made by him and also for him. The purpose that we were made ultimately was, is to glorify God, to say, look how great God is because he made us. Look how, look how he designed this world so that we could fit into it and we could live in it and we could enjoy it and we could uh, flourish in it, right? The problem, of course, with creation in that sense is we look around and we say, well, there's so many different people, you know, 
Just, just talk personality, first of all, right? There's so many different personalities. Yeah, on our staff, Jeff is definitely the one, we, we've learned really quickly that Jeff is the one who loves to joke, right? He's, he's always looking for the next joke, you know? He's always looking for the next joke. Jed is always the one who's trying to make everything fit together. And I'm the one who's always trying to pull things apart and stir things up. And between the three of us, it's like, okay, what's going to happen next? You never know in some ways in staff meetings. Dave Knudsen sits in and is like, what is going on in the staff meeting? I don't understand. Uh, and because of different, different personalities, God gives us certain strengths, right, to bring to the world and to say, look, I, I love this about the world and I want to see this come out, come out and be seen in the world. And so we bring those strengths to the table as part of our personalities because we have those, and, and, and that's okay, that's good, because we're different from each other, but sometimes we, we say, ah, I wish I had just personality, I wish I could joke all the time, and everybody just laugh at me, you know, that'd be great, it'd be awesome. Or maybe we think, oh man, I, just, I wish I was more extroverted, I wish I was just out there more, or sometimes you wish, I wish I was more introverted, like I wish I would just like, not be okay not talking to anyone for a while. We get into different issues where we feel like we don't fit, right? We talk about men versus women. We say, well, we're different from each other, and we are. Sometimes we talk about being rich versus being poor. Or talented versus not talented. Or sometimes we fit into the culture we're living in, and sometimes we feel like a foreigner in this culture. And you say, how, how, how do the things that don't fit, how do they fit Jesus? You ever wonder about that? Like, how do the things that are so unique and different and, and so kind of awkward compared to everyone else, like, how do they fit with Jesus? But you, you realize that, that Jesus is the God-man, Right? He's the image of the invisible God made flesh. You know two things that shouldn't fit together? Invisible God, mortal flesh. And yet, in Jesus, they fit perfectly. Not only that, but he was from heaven and yet he was born in a stable. His parents offered the offering for the oldest son, which is recorded for us, and it was the, the offering for the poorest of the poor in the law. They were poor. He was a carpenter. And yet, it says God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, right? Christ knows what, what it is to be rich and to be poor. He... He, he knows what it is to have talent to, to, to move things and to make things happen that no one else could make happen. And yet, he did not come as someone with talent. He didn't, imagine if Jesus came, you know, strumming a guitar, you know, like, hey, listen to my song, right? No, he just came, in a sense, with no talent, just speaking truth to those who would listen. And he was definitely, while he was born in his culture, he was outside of it. He was rejected by those who were his own. He was accused of being from Nazareth, where no prophet would ever, was ever from. 
And he was born of a virgin, but of course that was mocked and misbelieved, right? This Jesus, who everything was created by and for, gets the point that sometimes you don't feel like you fit. And yet, in him, you do. Because he is the invisible God, the image of the invisible God, made flesh, made so that everything can revolve around him and everyone can identify with him and everyone can acknowledge him and glorify him as the one ultimately who comes in the flesh to redeem us. Because we inherently know that if everything is supposed to fit, everything also doesn't fit, right? We, we live in a world where things don't fit, where we, we live in a world of war, we live in a world of hatred, we live in a world where we are awkward and we wish things were different about who we were and what, what has happened to us. And yet, here, it says at the end of verse, verse 20, it says, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. This is an amazing thing to consider that Jesus makes everything fit together, whether it's on earth or in heaven, and he does that by his death on the cross for us. He, re- he realized that everything didn't fit together, that, well, because, as it says here, verse 21, and you who once were alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds, he said, we chose to break the pattern. We chose to go our own way. We chose to, to, to just be like, hey, I don't want to fit. I want to fit the way I want to fit. I want to do the things that I want to do. And that destroyed the beauty of God's creation. And yet, Christ made peace by the blood of his cross. And that brings us to point number two. We fit because Christ has made peace. We fit because Christ has made peace. This is an amazing thing to consider because we often uh, want to say we believe in Christ, but we don't want to acknowledge the peace that he brings, in a sense. This, this will identify with most parents out there. A parent told this story. He said, tired of struggling with my strong-willed three-year-old son, Thomas. I looked him in the eye and asked a question I felt sure would bring him in line. Thomas, who is in charge here? Not missing a beat, our Sunday school born and bred toddler replied, Jesus is. Missing the point entirely, right? <laughs> because we, we say that Christ is in charge. We say that everything fits. It's made by him and for him and through him. And yet we don't act like it. We act like we've got to figure it out. We, we've, we act like, like, okay, God, you give me the pieces and I'm going to fit myself together somehow. But Christ is in charge. He's the one who made peace. He has a plan to make us, in that sense, to fit. Notice what it says here, verse 22. He has now reconciled us in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above approach before him. Again, it's not just about an, peace is not just an absence of conflict. It's also the positive presence of certain things. And that's what Jesus is doing for us. He's He's bringing us to be holy and blameless and above reproach. To stand before him. And, and that is 
the way Christ makes peace. He, he, he doesn't just fit us in by like, okay, well, I've got to do something with this piece here. I've got to make something happen. And so I'll cut, you know, cut things out and try to make it work. But instead he says, I'm going to make this piece beautiful. I'm going to make it fit perfectly. I'm going to make it so that it, it's, it's, it's a wonderful piece as part of this puzzle that we live in and amongst. And that's an amazing thing for us to consider because we are not just ourselves, right? We, we, sometimes we operate like, okay, this world is about me. <laughs> All things were made by, not by me, but at least for me, right? I'm going to make my world fit together. And then we realize that we get, we, whether we get married or we have friends and we, there's conflict, like, oh, well, I want, I want friends to be a part of my life. I want my spouse to be a part of my life, but that means that I have to adjust or something has to change because it's not just about me anymore. And yet, here Christ is saying, I'm going to make it so that you recognize that and you can live in it and not just live in it in such a way that you, I'm barely getting by, but he says here that we will be blameless and above reproach. The negative side, blameless, is the idea of there's no, nothing that sticks to us. There's no accusation that, that really can, can stick and be like, oh, they, they shouldn't fit because of this. And that above reproach is actually the opposite. It's, it's the sense of, of, hey, look how wonderful they do fit. Look how, how th- this, is, this is a good thing and a wonderful thing, the things that they do and the things that they are and how they, how they bring joy and peace to the world. Christ made us peace, it says, because of the blood of his cross, because he died for us. It was reported in 2004, a South African man surprised nine men robbing his home. Eight of the men ran away, but the homeowner, homeowner managed to shove one into his backyard pool. After realizing the robber couldn't swim, so you can imagine, right? He's like, okay, oh, now what do I do? He can't swim. The homeowner jumped in to save him, pulled him out of the pool. The Cape Times reported that once out of the pool, the wet thief called to his friends to come back, and he pulled a knife and threatened the man who had just rescued him. The homeowner said, we were still standing near the pool, and when I saw the knife, I just threw him back in. But he was gasping for air and was drowning, so I rescued him again. I thought he had a lot of cheek trying to stab me after I just saved his life, right? That's sometimes it seems like this relationship that we have with Jesus. Like, oh, Jesus, save me, save me, save me. Now that you save me, I just want to do my own thing, you know? I just want to have my own way. Leave me alone, Jesus. And he's like, wait a second, who's the one who's saving you here? You know what I mean? Like, don't you acknowledge what I've done? And, and Jesus is the one who has died on the cross for us. He gave his life for us, right? We didn't fit in because we had destroyed the pattern, but he gave his life so we could come back to God. So that we could fit again, we could belong. And this is something that he offers to us freely. Can you imagine the homeowner's story if he said, well, the guy was drowning, so I said, hey, you were trying to rob me, so give me a hundred bucks and I'll, I'll save you. you know I mean? be, you'd say, that would be legitimate in a sense. Hey, you know, you're robbing me. Just pay me back before I save you. 
But Jesus didn't do that for us. He, he went to the cross for us, and he gave that to us as a gift. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a gift to be given to us. And, and the question is, do we receive it? Or do we act like, oh man, I... I know Jesus died, but I, I can find my own way. I can do my own thing. I can, I can make my own world. I can make my own peace. And if you're here this morning and you've never trusted in Christ, I pray that you would. It's not like you have to give a bunch of money or join a church or go on a pilgrimage or anything like that. It's, it's, it's very simple. It's, Romans 10 tells us that the word is near us. It's in our hearts. And it's simply a matter of us. Romans 10, 13 says, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord we save, all you have, have to do in that sense is ask. It's one of the reasons why we love celebrating Christmas because we receive gifts and why, why to receive them? It's not because we've earned anything. <laughs> it's because we simply receive the gift. And believe that it's ours. Can you imagine a, a child in your family? You, you give them a gift at Christmas. They open it up. They're like, oh, this is amazing. This is awesome, Dad. I love the gift that you got for yourself. I'm glad you, you got this gift. It's yours. Um, but, you know, it's a cool gift. And they give it back to you because it's yours. You're like, no, no, no. I gave you the gift. It's yours. <laughs> it's the whole point of a gift. And God wants to give us eternal life. Peace. <laughs> And joy forever with him. But do we believe that it's ours? Simply by receiving it. Or do we feel like, well, I gotta do something, I gotta earn it somehow, I gotta do something before God. And here Paul reminds us at the same time that point number three, we fit as we stay in the hope that we have. We fit as we stay in the hope that we have. Notice how he ends this section here. He says, verse 23, If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven. There's a sense in which it's not that we lose our salvation, but, the, the, but we receive that peace and we experience that peace by staying in an understanding of what, who we are and what God has done for us and what Jesus has done for us. And part of that is the realization you can, you can receive eternal life and you can, you can have that peace but not experience that peace because you're so concerned about so many other things. You realize that one of the reasons why even Christians don't experience a full and complete peace is because we were made not for this world but for the next. We don't fully fit here because we're made for there. And, and we wonder why we struggle and we wonder why things don't quite work out the way they do. And you say, well, God, you gave me peace and he has given us peace. But it's not fully here until we get there. And so he, Paul here is saying we, we need to continue in that faith. We need to stay stable and steadfast, he says. That, that idea of stable is obviously just staying in the same place and staying resting in what you've received. And that word for steadfast is the idea of enduring, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard. 
So in a sense, you fit by enduring even in the lack of peace that you have. Jesus isn't going to take away all of your problems, but he is going to be with you in your problems. And that doesn't mean that he's going to do all these amazing things to show you that he's with you. It's, it's again, it's a belief, it's a faith that what you have is a gift from God. This is, in a sense, to say, to not look for peace out there. It's to realize what you have been given, the gift that you have been given in Christ, and you stay and reflect on that, and you think on that, and you believe that, and you walk in it. it it's not easy sometimes. Even, even married couples, they, they struggle, they fight. They're like, oh, we don't necessarily fit together very well right now. And you can, and you can feel like, well, why, why don't we fit well, it's only as you step back and you realize, I'm not going to fit totally with her yet because we're not fully made <laughs> complete yet. But Christ is making us to fit, and we can walk into that. We can step into that by doing what he wants us to do. And when we walk by faith, even when it feels like we're not fitting very well right now, God does amazing things. John Ortberg tells the story of a friend of his who used to work in Minnesota. And uh, he, he served in some rural communities in Minnesota, some small ones. And so they didn't always have churches in those rural communities. And, and so he would help out with funerals. And he would travel with the undertaker and they would drive together in the hearse to the funeral, do the funeral and come back. And one time he said his friend was on his way back from the funeral and he was feeling quite tired. So he decided he would take a nap. And he, since he was there in the hearse, he thought, you know what, I'll just lay down in the back of the hearse and take a nap. And so he did. Sounds kind of a creepy thing to do, but yeah, he did it. And as, as they're driving along, the hearse needed some gas, and the guy who was driving the undertaker, he pulled into a service station to, to fill up on gas, and an attendant came out to fill up the tank. You know, this is, this is back in the day, obviously, when they still did that. And, and uh, he's, he's kind of freaked out because he looks in the window, and he sees a body stretched out in the back of the hearse, you know, sleeping. He doesn't know it's sleeping. It's just like, what's going on here, you know? While he was filling the tank, John woke up, opened his eyes, looked out the window, saw the attendant, reached out, knocked in the window, was like, hey, how's it going? He never saw anyone run away from the f so fast in his life, right? You know what's surprising? Seeing life when you expect death. That's surprising. And the reality is, as Christians, is when we walk by faith, believing that we, we fit, believing that God is going to work to make us fit, that he's going to provide for us, that he's going to do what only he can do, when we walk with that kind of life, it's surprising to the people around us. They're like, what's going on here? And it can be a little freaky, right? Like, who are you to walk by faith in the midst of this crazy time we live in? You know, the economy's getting terrible, there's wars, there's things that are going on, politics are happening. Like, how, how can you walk with faith? How can you walk with peace in the midst of all of this? Why? Because we know what Jesus has done for us. 
what he is doing in us and what he will do for us. We have peace. Not the kind the world gives that says, oh, if you make a million dollars, then you can have peace. Or, oh, if you just make everybody like you, then you can have peace. No, this is a peace that passes understanding. That makes you fit even when it looks like you don't. All the things that you would say, look, this is why I don't fit. Those are what Christ is redeeming to make you fit. Here in Colossians Paul is reminding his readers in the church who are going through a struggle of do we fit or not, in a sense. He's saying, Christ made you. He saved you. He redeemed you. And he is with you. So what's the next thing you need to do? Don't get caught up in, well, I don't fit, or there's no way, I, 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 there's so many problems in my life. What's the next thing that he wants you to do because he is with you? He has redeemed you. You are his. And all creation and all humanity will one day fit perfectly with Christ in the center. So how do we find peace? By going back to what Jesus has done for us. By seeing that he's done it for us by living in it and walking in it, and even when we don't feel like it, to believe it by faith. So this Christmas, will you find peace? I know life is hard. I know there's a lot of things going on, things I don't even know about in your life. But this is what I do know. Christ has made peace for us. Will you trust him? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your mercy and grace in our lives. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that we can find peace in him because he makes peace. He's made us. He's made peace. And he's brought us into that peace by his death on the cross for us and his resurrection on our behalf. And this season, as we remember Christ's coming to this earth and being the God-man, God-made flesh and dwelling among us, may we realize that we can have peace because we fit in him. Because he has welcomed us and made us and bought us. And we are his. In your son's name we pray. Amen.